Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, it's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification so you're notified of any time we put on new videos. We have videos going up daily. Sometimes you lucky buggers, you get two videos a day. Lots of great guests coming up, particularly this week. Some cracking guests come out, including today's guests. They are the first father and son duo we've interviewed first duo we've interviewed actually as a, as a pair um they don't need much introduction it's gary and john joe how you doing guys yeah well thanks for all pleasure to be here yeah you, how's everything over there how's everything with the uh the weird world we live in at the moment for you guys well to be fair um i've been working way through it and uh john joe's been off school so uh, i've dragged him into my place and they're going to do a bit of work at my place oh good. we've been working hard oh good Yes, good. Uh, me too. Yeah, some some businesses obviously we're still working on my my gaff as well. So um, yeah, no, it's one of those things. But you, you you make do, don't you? You you go you roll with the punches. Nothing to do about it. Um, obviously, you know we we hopefully we'll have some football coming up soon uh, in a few weeks' time. But that's the whole idea of this channel is to look back and sort of think about memories and and, and sort of fun times, uh, or maybe not fun times that were mostly <laughs> at the moment for us uh, with yeah. West Ham and stuff like that. Obviously talk about your players as well. So for you guys, obviously, you know, you've got a bit of a generation gap, but it doesn't really matter. I think it's going to be quite fun. So for you, Gary, you know, what was your earliest West Ham memory? My earliest memory was actually watching the 1975 FA Cup final against Fulham. Um, I remember sitting on the chair there thinking, you know, I like, I like West Ham. I like these colours. You know, this is a team for me. Yeah. Um, lo and behold, uh, Less than about a year later, uh, West Ham were playing our local team over here is Cholton. They was playing Cholton in the League Cup match. My granddad being a Cholton fan, me all of a sudden becoming a West Ham fan, said, "Come on in, I'll take you over there, and we'll go and watch Cholton v West Ham." It was a night game in September. Wow! Um, at the time, the Valley held sixty-six thousand fans. Only two thousand were seats. Uh, but granddad being granddad, no, we're getting a seat, so we got us a seat. Um, and on that night, if they reckon it was about 30,000 in the stadium, but I'll tell you something now, that stadium was full up. It was definitely more than 30,000. Um, and I remember it, it, it cemented me being a West Ham fan because everywhere I looked around that ground, there was West Ham fans. Yeah, it was yeah. all West Ham singing, all claret and blue scarves. I'm thinking, well, where's the Charlton fans? That's, that's what I remember. Yeah. And ever since then, it's been West Ham. And uh, as time has gone on, as I've done like my family tree over the years, my family actually come from Tidal Basin. No um, and great great grandfather worked at the Thames Ironworks, yeah. worked at the Tate and Lowell Sugar Factory. Yeah. Um, and it turns out all my family were from West Ham. So 
you know, it couldn't have returned any better for me. It was written in the stars, yeah, at yeah. an early age. Yeah, yeah. Same, same with me. Um, the, the story goes in my family that my great, 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 I don't know how many greats, grandfather was actually a coach when the Teb Zion works for an amateur team, apparently, apparently. So, you know, but I think everyone is, but that's, yeah. that's, that's how very our lineage. Similar to you, yeah. my, my parents, my parents, one, one was sort of, you know, uh, from sort of um, East London. The other one was from, actually was, was you know, near Charlton and had to get on the, under the Woolwich yeah. Tunnel all the time and stuff. So yeah, it's quite funny, isn't it? How it all sort of pans on. And what about you, John Joe? Obviously, if you, you know, your dad had quite a good pedigree because, you know, sort of mid seventies, you know, that's a bit of a heyday period for West Ham. Unfortunately, you know, yourself and me probably got into the, the Amers a bit too late to see FA Cup wins and, and European stuff. When was your first memory of, of West Ham, John Joe? Oh, um, my first ever memory was actually my first ever game which yeah. was when we played Fulham and uh, Anton Ferdinand obviously scored that absolute world of a volley yeah. Um, yeah that was my first one I just remember going into the ground for the first time hearing bubbles for the first time and I think from there I was just hooked yeah. and uh, yeah it was, it was great great to see all the players out great to see football actually in person instead of behind a screen you know but um, yeah. yeah that was my first one yeah, and obviously, you know, your old man's a West Ham fan, so it's sort of like, you know, ingrained a little yeah, bit, isn't it? Yeah. Fan. I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm, yeah. I'm the reason he's so depressed now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all your fault, Gary. It's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what about to get, well, obviously, you know, so since sort of then onwards, obviously, you know, we look at you to get together as a partnership, so to speak, you know, what was your sort of your, your fondest memories together is sort of seeing West Ham or, or maybe some of the stuff of the, the charity work, John Doe, someone you met or, or anything like that? Anything that sort of sticks out? Well, if I, if I just say this, for me, um, it wasn't actually a West Ham game, although it was one of my all-time heroes. Um, when he got invited down to um, Swindon Town by Paolo's manager, um, Paolo had just lost his dad. Um, heard about what John Joe was doing at West Ham for cancer research and thought it would be uplifting for Paolo to see a young man who does so much for cancer uh, charities. Mm. So we went down there and uh, we had our picture taken with Paolo on the pitch before the game and uh, he said to me, said to me and John Joe, he said, wait after the game, he said, I'll come out and see you. So this is a midweek game on a school night. John Joe's about yeah. 10, you can yeah. imagine. We're down in Swindon, Swindon miles away. And uh, game finishes, they win 2 nil. Paolo's out on the pitch celebrating, blah, blah, blah. Does all these interviews, and me and John Joe, hour after the game, standing by the tunnel, and the security guard come out and said, you know, what are you doing? So I said, Paolo said to wait, he's going to meet us. He went, yeah, all right. He said, come on, son. He said, yeah, you've got to go home now. There's no one else here. As we were about to go, bang, the doors come flying open. Paolo, oh, oh John Joe, John Joe, he says, come on, come, come. So we went and sat in his office, his manager's office, um, drinking red wine, reminiscing about West Ham oh. for an hour, sitting on his couch in his manager's office at Swindon Town. How cool! And for me, I've met you know we've met quite a few West Ham yes, players. Yeah. I've got I've got heroes, but that hour was just unbelievable. Yeah. Telling us that he's special goals, who he got on with, who he didn't get on with, which is a secret. Um, but you know, it, for me, that was the for me that was the best thing I've ever encountered. Yeah. I don't know about John Joe, but yeah, that was for me. What about you, John Joe? That that's me, a pretty awesome uh, thing to do, though. <laughs> that's quite yeah, it, it's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, but um, for me personally, my fondest memory has to be the last game at Upton Park. 
Yeah. It was just the whole the whole build up to it. I actually I know I shouldn't say this, but I actually didn't go to school that day. I think it was a Tuesday. <laughs> I think it was a Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, I must have been at the ground at about oh, midday. And I think yeah. it came on the door like quarter to nine or eight yeah. or something like that. And uh, we just walked around for the last time, seeing all the landmarks, seeing Nathan, seeing the bowling, seeing the, the, the champion statue. Yeah. The last time, and then to go into the game and win the way that we did, it was just, it was really the cherry on top, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I think I was on, I was on jury service that week, and um, they had the, um, it was that my case was deferred until the afternoon, so I drove up there early and just literally spent three hours walking around the ground because obviously I had my pass, um, and you know at that at that place no one stopped you. You know, a bit different now at London Stadium, but um, <laughs> the old girl, no one stopped you. So I was literally walking around it. Yeah, it was just yeah. The whole the whole day that was, was and I liked driving home. Actually, it was sad driving home, thinking I'm never going to do this drive again. But then seeing all these fans with like twelve foot billboards, which said nicked from like ripped off the the wall, they're walking and how are they going to get on the train home? I didn't know. But they had these massive billboards. It was a great day. It was a great game. All right, that's brilliant. And I tell you what, that Palace story, I think, I think trumps it all now. To be honest, I haven't heard a better one. To be honest. <laughs> A great night. I've never forgot it. He even gave John Joe some training kit that was too big for John Joe. We got home about one o'clock in the morning. I'm putting the training kit on, taking pictures of myself. I'm like, <laughs> Paolo's training kit. I was wearing it. You know, yeah, like, awesome, awesome. A bit tight here, but yeah. Yeah, 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 but yeah, but yeah. What what a great bloke he was as well. Yeah. And he's just still still a huge West Ham. Like has a great affiliation with the fans, which is which is which is amazing for someone who's who I call sort of a you know, I call them a sort of an adopted Cockney. You know, he's not he's not from around these parts, but he got the fans. And there's there's, there's a few like that, particularly yeah. from a foreign player. That's yeah. particularly uh, particularly rare. But um, no, he was a great man. Right, okay, let's go and talk about your 11s. I think it's going to be quite funny, the two of you. <laughs> so we're going to do separate 11s. You're really testing, going to really test my uh, my video editing skills, but we'll have a go. Um, we try and keep it to a four-four-two if we can, particularly today because I'm kind of fucking do it all. Um, the second rule is you have to have been alive to have seen them play. So obviously, you know, myself and John Doe, for example, we couldn't put in Bobby Moore, but we could put in, I don't know, Gary Breen, you know, or someone like that. <laughs> I don't know, Javier Margas, whoever. Um, and the third one is it's your eleven, so you can talk about whoever you want to talk about. It doesn't have to necessarily be the best players. It could be your favourite players, or maybe your worst players, or players you felt sorry for it doesn't really matter who you want to talk about but the ones that meant something to you whether it's positive or negative so uh, it should be quite funny i think the two of you we'll do what we do we do it in turns we'll do like goalkeeper goalkeeper left letter stuff like that so if we go for let's go for gary first right who's going to be in goal for you gary who's going to be in goal for the gary 11 okay so you can imagine there's been a lot of goalkeepers yeah. in my lifetime and there's been some good ones as well there's been some great goalkeepers yeah. you know that played for england but the goalkeeper I've gone for, um, who, who in my opinion should have played for England, um, and he didn't at the time, he was the world's most expensive goalkeeper. Yeah. So you know you're going to say, I'm going to say Phil Parks. Yeah. I remember a young lad at school, all my mates were Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans, you name it, they this, that. But West Ham bought the world's most expensive goalkeeper. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And, and basically, he played his art out for West Ham. Yeah. Loves the club to this day. Um, hands like shovels um, for me. My best goalkeeper, Phil Parks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good, great, yeah. 
Great if he's got a better one than me. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, that's the thing. That's, this, this is a perfect <laughs> microcosm of this whole idea of when I envisage it. You're going to get guys like John Joe's age, you get guys like my age and guys like Gary's age. So you'll have this sort of, you know, and also, you know, others, slightly, slightly older ones and obviously slightly younger ones as well. So it's, it's perfect because that's, that's the idea. Everyone has different opinions for who their sort of reference points. We put Parks in goal for Gary's 11. John Joe, you having between the sticks for you, man? Well, in my time of being a West Ham fan, we've obviously, we haven't really won anything yet. But um, for me, my favourite keeper has to be uh, Fabianski. Yep. I just think that Fabianski is such a consistent player. He's never really, I mean, excluding the Liverpool game that we just had recently, he's never really had much of a problem in goal. He's, he's, he's been a brick wall at times. He's won us games at times, so mm. he's got to be my number one for me. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's not many West Ham goalkeepers who have been part of a team that hasn't lost for three and a half months. Mm, that's right. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that's right. No, no, no. no yeah, Fabianski, a good, very, very good goalkeeper. But as I say, um, Phil Parks for me. Yeah. Um, the man loves West Ham. Uh, to this day, he loves West Ham. He's still yeah. over there from time to time. Not so much now. No. But, uh, I think when he was at West Ham, didn't he also do that advert for the hair lacquer? The Cossack. Yeah, hey. Cossack hair, yeah. Yeah, that's it. yeah so, uh, yeah, best goalkeeper West Ham ever had, in my opinion. Yep, okie dokie. Parks in fab for, for John Joe. Let's, let's go left back. Let's go John Joe first. Who are we going to have for left back for you, John Joe? For me, it's probably going to be Aaron Cresswell. Yep. An odd shout, but um, I think when we had him at his debut season, when we signed him from Ipswich, he was mini one hand of the year, didn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was phenomenal. And uh, to be honest with you, I mean, he hasn't been perfect now, but I think he's another one of them players that's been quite consistent. He's not, he's not just a left-back, though. He can also attack and put crosses into the box. Mm. When we had Carroll, he was notorious for doing that, putting crosses in the box of Carroll. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I just think he's an all-round all round mm. defender, but he can also go forward and attack and put crosses into the box. Yeah, and obviously when, when Moisey played three at the back, he was, he was part of one of those three, wasn't he? And so, he said he's been, he's, yeah, he's been around for, for a few years, you know, more, more than people realise, I think, you know, when he came from Ipswich. And, uh, yeah, great shout. Cresswell, okay. Let's whack him in. Uh, Gary, who are we going for you? You're well, it's, going be, uh, it's going to be another John Lyle signing. Yeah. A uh, young lad coming to the side. If it wasn't for his disciplinary record, I think we all know we're talking about. Yeah. He also would have played a lot more for England. Um, definitely gave his all for West Ham. Sometimes a bit too much at times. Mm. But um, that's what West Ham's all about, isn't it? Giving, giving your heart and soul. Yeah. Julian Dix. Yeah. Who's better than Julian Dix at left back in my lifetime? Mm. All right, you had Frank Lampard, senior. Did very, very well. But Julian Dix, he just had that something about him. He got the crowd going, didn't he? So, yeah, mm. Julian Dix. And there's not, as, as we said it before on the channel, there's not many left backs or full backs at all who can galvanise a, a crowd as much as Julian Dix did. You know, you know, it, it, it might be a, a naughty tackle or it could have been a 35-yard pinger or, uh, or a penalty or something like that. But he could, he could conduct the game and the crowd from left back. And again, like you can't see like Gary Neville doing that or someone like that, you know. So, yeah, Dixie, good shout. Let's let's stick with you, Gary, and go for your right back. Um, best right back I've seen at West Ham. Um, well, he, he'd have a bit of competition with Julian for the penalty taker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember again, Ray Stewart was a. Uh, 
come to West Ham as a young lad. I, I think he might have even been a teenager at the time. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ray Stewart, for me, when he hit a penalty, if he didn't break the net, he was going to break the net. Do you know what I mean? He, he just, I don't think he missed many either. Um, no, no, no. Three penalties, I think he missed in his, in his West Ham career. I can't remember. But uh, Ray Stewart, for me, tough tackler. Uh, when he passed the ball, it was under the ball an hour, and you know, so oh, yeah, Ray Stewart for me, um, yeah. great right back. Shame he got injured because he could have played a, a few more years for us. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, Ray Stewart for me. Ray Stewart. Yeah, and and obviously still goes, still uh, still turns up at the club quite a bit. That's yeah. Yeah, we get on. Still can't understand a word he says, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. He stays local to us actually. He stays in uh, Sika, not far oh, from us. Oh, yeah, so, uh, he stays in uh, over this side. He's always really, really well turned out as well. You know what I mean? He's always got a really nice suit on as well. But uh, yeah, I still can't understand what he says. Nice man as well. Yeah, lovely guy. Right, we'll put Ray Stewart in for Gary's team. Uh, John Joe, who you got at right back? For me at right back, I mean, we've always had that problem with right backs. Uh, yeah. Since I started going and anyway, we also had like Carl Jenkins and we had Tompkins at right back at the time, Antonio. But um, to be honest with you, I mean, if he was, if he was uh, in his City days at West Ham, he'd be phenomenal. I think that Zabaleta is probably one of the most solid right backs yeah. uh, in the league. Really, I mean, if he was a bit younger, he would be he'd be right up there. Um, he's a team player. He dives into tackles. He puts his body on the line. I mean, I don't really think there's any better right backs in my time than him, to be honest. No, no, just and also that the pedigree he brings to the team, doesn't he? You know, I mean, he's a obviously the. He's won how many goddamn trophies when he was at City and stuff, and that, that winning mentality. You know, it's not something that we're blessed with at West Ham. Players have won stuff. You know, Fabianski went down and then we signed him. Um, and, and so, you know, having that, you know, and I, I think he's, you know, he seems to have, and hopefully, you know, with, you know, with Ben Johnson coming through and people like that, you know, that sort of level of, of, expert, of expertise and experience, you can't, you can't teach that. And so, you know, I hope, I think he's, well, he's obviously got this, the end of this this year contract whenever that whenever the season finishes but I'd love him to stay for like a little bit you know for six months or something as a coach just to nurture sort of the the up-and-coming sort of youth left backs and right backs and stuff because that's we haven't got that in the team we haven't got that in the coaching staff that's a winning mentality people who have won Premier League titles who have won FA Cups um and I think he's a great guy Zab and he seems to be a really good team teammate to have around particularly at this time you know when they're all no one's been around, you know, they're all back in the training ground. It seems like they're all buzzing, which is quite good. And Zab and Zo and uh, Nolan and, and Mark Noble, they seem to be the guys who are, you know, getting all the buzz around, which is fantastic. Okay, that's great. I'm loving this. Uh, let's stay with John Joe. Let's go centre back. So who's your first centre back, John Joe? My first centre back is it's a deal. I yep. think that um, I mean Mourinho said it um, best himself, he's a monster. He's just he, he's so dominant. I remember his tackle last year on Harry Kane when we all thought that Kane was going to put it in the back of the net. Yeah. And uh, he just put, he just put his body on the line. I like players that do that. And yeah. uh, he's very dominant in the air. I mean, he scored a few goals for us as well. And uh, I think it comes back to consistency at the end of the day. He's, he's been very solid. He's a good distributor of the ball as well. So, yeah, that's my mm. first out of yeah, and as you said, yeah, he's, he's, he's been consistent. And, yeah, they had a little blip and... and I think they found the right partnership with him and Abona. They seem to complement each other well. I've always been a fan of Balbuena, though. I just have that because he's like the old school defender, you know, like sort of, you know, like not necessarily a ball player, but a blocker, you know, and and sort of a lot of the a lot of my sort of my sort of 
the guys I looked up to and I was centre-backs, they were blockers. They weren't necessarily, I mean, Rio pinged the ball, but like someone like Alvin or Tony Gale, they were like solid, weren't they? And, and Val Buena's got that solidness about him. But Diop, I mean, you know, as you said, you know, Mourinho, you know, he, you know, he's obviously now at Tottenham and when it was a Man United, he was, he was a sniffing around for him as well. So, um, but yeah, I think he's a good player. And hopefully, you know, he's the type of person we need, particularly when, when everything kicks back up because... He is quality on his day. He is quality. Right, brilliant. Uh, John, let's go for your other centre-backs. Let's go for both centre-backs. Then we'll do your dad for both centre-backs as well. Uh, I've actually gone for James Tompkins here. Yeah. Um, of an odd shout. But um, to be honest with you, I think we sold him at the completely wrong time. Mm. He was a very good player for us in his last season. And uh, once again, he was a very solid player. Uh, he scored a lot of goals. He was very commanding at the back line as well. I remember him. Pointing and shouting a lot when he was with us. And, um, he's been a very good player at Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace fans love him. And yeah. uh, it's good to see why he's, he's just a very consistent, well-rounded centre-back. Exactly. And he still gets a good clap when he comes back, doesn't he? So that, that's always my sort of litmus test of if players come back. And A, you know, it, it's testimony to how they've leave, left. Because some people leave the right way. Some people leave the wrong way. He left the right way. And people still, because he's one of ours, because he was, a, you know, he's sort of one of our own. He has that sort of, you know, people still give him a good clap. And yeah, he was, he was, it was a reliable player. When he came in, when he said he fitted in at right back sometimes, you know, you need that in a team and a squad. And I think, yeah, Tompkins, yeah, you were right. We sort of, typically, we sort of, as soon as we sold him, we needed him. It's always the way, you know, so, so it's like with Adrian and we sort of like, yeah, we'll let him go. It's all right. We know Fabianski won't get injured. We've got what? Okay, Fabianski's out. Okay, no problems. We always seem to do things and then, Next week, someone gets injured. But uh, yeah, yeah, JT, yeah, West Ham boy, nice one. Okay, great, uh, Gary. Let's go for your centre backs. Who we got in your centre backs? Okay, well, uh, well, first choice is um, Rio Ferdinand. Yep. Um, remember when he came into the side, young lad, mm. and uh, he just said something about him. He was just a fantastic player. Um, so confident on the ball for such a young man. Yep. And uh, it was odds on that he was going to go elsewhere. And you're not going to stop someone from doing it, are you? But Rio Ferdinand, for me, was a, a great young player, plenty of talent. You knew he was going to play for England. Compared to Bobby Moore, like compared to the similar style, cool on the ball, a good passing, good tackler. So Rio Ferdinand, uh, my first choice for centre-back. That's great. Yeah, as a Rolls-Royce Rio, as, as how we used to call him. I mean, you're right. It's like there's certain players, when they if they're like from the academy, they get on the pitch and you're thinking, it's brilliant, but you know, they, you know, just, just the nature of the club. We're not, we're not, we're not like a, a Premier League chasing team yet. Fingers no. crossed. But you know, these players like, you know, at that time particularly, because we had this conveyor belt, and you went, well, that's the next one. It's like when Glenn Johnson turned up, you go, well, he's going to be off soon. You can tell because we're, you know, we're teaming relegation and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Rolls Royce Rio, good show. Who's going to partner Rio then, Gary? Well, this player, oh dear, he, he, he brings a tear to my eye sometimes because he just does. He, he's got a heart of gold, um, loves the club. He's had a few positions at the club. Started off at right back, I think. Yeah. I think Ron Greenwood put him at centre back after Bobby Moore left. I might be wrong there. Um, he played in the cup final against Arsenal at the back in the middle. Yeah. He and he did. lifted the trophy for Billy Bonds. Yeah. Exactly. Billy Bonds, absolute, absolute fantastic man again. Nice man, if you've met him, beautiful man. Um, 
West Ham through and through. Um, and, and he's from this side as well. As I say, he's from your neck of the woods anyway. He never moved, did he? So, yeah, so uh, there's uh, something about these Kent Hammers. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, famously, he had, he never had a mobile phone. I don't think he, I think he might have one now, but he never used to have a mobile phone. He ain't got one. He's yeah. Got, when his wife goes to Blue Water, yeah. He he goes to a hotel not far from now, and he'll be in there um, having a just a pint, a pint, waiting for her. No mobile phone. Fantastic. I know. I might try that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He'll just yeah. I mean, I remember the. I remember sort of the last game at West Ham and he was going to be in one of the taxis and then because of all the trouble he sort of he said no because at the end of the day it's his, his family's like you know didn't know what was going on so he, he turned around and came back and obviously we, he never made our phone so it's like we found out sort of towards the end of the game that Billy Bonds wasn't going to be turning up we're like what okay who can we throw in that taxi instead you know yeah. and um, but yeah such a humble man and you know you saw how much the club meant to him when he, you know when we did the stand and we you know we, we named it after him and just a pure just a sheer emotion coming out of him for a man who's you know even even when we got promoted in 92 you know I went that, that was sort of my era everybody saw him sort of like cry with happiness you know he wasn't a particularly emotional person but just to see him like absolutely bawl his eyes out you know when he you know it was just so there's a lot of fans there who had something in their eye i'm pretty sure because there was not a dry eye in the house when, when he was yeah. doing that bless him right lovely 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 and it's nice because we've got two different two different eras so you've got two different teams it's really cool right let's go gary let's go left wing for you gary we've got on the left wing left wing um i actually changed my the, 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 Changed my mind this morning. Um, I did. I did have someone in mind, and he was a, an exceptional player, but unfortunately left um, on sour terms. So on that basis, he got the elbow. A bit of a snake he was. I won't say who he it was. was. Yeah. <laughs> but now I've gone for Alan Dimitri. Yep. Um, same again. Uh, you know, today we don't seem to have as many players that are going to stay at the club for a long while. Give no. you know. And they gave it. They gave it hundred percent. Not that our players don't. So, you know, but in today's football, two or three years, you, you've you've got a good deal out of someone, and then, then they're often getting another deal somewhere. Yeah. So my team is totally different. John Joe's, but Alan Devonshire on the left. What an absolute fantastic player again, going down that wing. I remember him at um, Wembley against Arsenal, putting that ball across. Um, and uh, another guy was at Chelsea once at the Stamford Bridge. He scored an absolute blinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen um, that. Yeah. You know, so then that, that sticks in your mind. So, you know, he's he's for me the left left the midfield, and now could I've got that snake over him anyway? No, that's a you for me. <laughs> exactly, and, and he only costs five grand, whereas the snake no. costs, you know, twenty million or something like that. So, <laughs> but also there's a good point about about you saying about the um, about players don't hang around a lot. Like I used to. Um, I was interviewing Tony Gale yesterday, um, and for, for the channel, it'll be, up, it'll be up in a few days' time. And yeah. we were talking about that. And his his testimonial year, there was actually eleven, I think, or ten testimonial years he had. Like in, in succession, it was him, Jeff Pike, and da, 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 da. and yeah, we. I I can only remember Mark Nobles, you know, in recent history. And and unfortunately, the testimonial, so to speak, is something which I think is a, is a dying that dying thing to be honest it's very rare i think vincent company had one for man city um you know but it's yeah people move on you know it's just the nature of the nature of the sport um but you're right you know you don't get that sort of level of testimonials anymore now it's very rare that a player stays he said more than sort of three or four years before they move on um okay we'll put dev for you uh john joe who should we have on the left for you 
Yeah. Yeah. He's uh. I mean, what, what, more, what else can I say about him in that 2015-16 season? He was phenomenal. Yeah. He was one of the most exciting players and probably is the most exciting player I've ever watched. Yeah. Uh, playing a West Ham the things that he's done with the football. I mean, like, I've never even seen this with a player before, but every yeah. time he got a free kick, I, was, I used to say to myself, this is going in. Yeah. It's going to go in. Every time he had a free kick, it was either going in or it was on target. It was incredible. Yeah. And then obviously, not to mention that he was in the Ballon d'Or shortlist as well. And exactly. uh, got part of the tournament in the Euros with us yeah. as well for, for France. And then uh, sadly, he moved on. Then so. he moves on, yeah. <laughs> it always happens. But as you said, there's not many Ballon d'Or nominees have played for West Ham while playing for West Ham. And as you said, the, you know, watching those Euros when he was, you know, the player of the tournament and he played for West Ham, it was like, you know, this is like, this is mental. Um, and I think you're right for that. You know, in that season, that 2015, you know, the stars aligned. You had the right manager. It was obviously all the history and, you know, the end of the year of, of being at the bowling. And you had Payet and this little stumpy French bloke who was nothing of him really was just took the Premier League by storm that that season. And and even the FA Cup, I remember, remember his goal against Blackburn away, you know, he, he that was that yeah, was his game. He he was dominant the whole time. And as you know, for me, I'm similar to you, John Joe, there's probably two he's one of the, the two best technical players I've seen at West Ham. Um, the other one we've already mentioned, I'm pretty pretty obvious who's the other one. But for me, you know, he, he was up there Pyatt was just for Technical in terms of technical ability, not necessarily for character, uh, but you get that with a lot of, lot of these players, don't you? The ones who are the, sort of the mercurial players, the mesmeric players, they, you know, take their toys and, and go away, you know, after a couple of seasons. And that's how he came to us as well. People forget about that. He he took his dummy and, and ran from Marseille to come to us, and then he did the same to go back to them. So it is what it is, you know. You got to just got to just take it, unfortunately. Right. Okay, so we'll put Pyatt on the left for you, John Joe. Who's going to go on the right for you, John Joe? On the right hand side, or the, yeah. the way that I planned it, I was doing four four two, but more of a, a narrow. If you get what I mean. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, I put Felipe Anderson out there. Yeah. Um, I think that in his debut season with us, anyway, last year he was once again he was phenomenal. I mean, exciting to watch. Uh, the, I mean, the goal that he scored against Man U last year. I mean, I don't think anyone would really have the confidence to do that. No. Um, he was just, he was brilliant. But he was consistent as well. But for some reason, I mean, this year he's kind of, I wouldn't say lost his touch, but he's, he's not really been as involved in the game as yeah. he was. Well, I think he might be, I think for him, I think, you know, last year he, he came obviously with a price tag, but he was still a bit of an unknown quantity, unless you were a Serie A. Or you're a FIFA man, you probably wouldn't necessarily know who he was, to be perfectly honest. Um, whereas, you know, I, I think it might have got to him that the pressure this season. But who knows? You know, maybe in closed stadiums, it'll be, you know, it, it could be his resurgence. You know, I think that was going to happen for a lot of people. You know, you know, you know, some some players don't play well under pressure. Having a closed door, no fans, it's almost like the pressure's off a little bit. So. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, Anderson, he's a, he's a quality player. On his day, he, he's brilliant. But again, it's finding his right position, isn't it? It's where, you know, it was very similar when we, when we, had, when we had Joe Cole. You know, we, we, you know, we played him sort of as a, 
almost like a free roll. We don't get the free roll anymore now in football. You get left wingers cutting inside and right wingers. And, you know, I think Anderson would be quite nice in that free roll. But then you've got Lanzini, potentially got four nails in that position as well. And you've got some very similar types of play- people who could play in that position. But, um, yeah, Anderson, nice shout, nice shout. Uh, Gary, who's going to go right, right wing for you, man? Well, um, un- unlike John Joe, my right-sided midfield player likes to tackle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, really tough tackler. Uh, not the biggest bloke. Um, I remember him putting someone in the chicken run once. I can't remember who it was. But uh, Mark Ward. Yeah, Wardy. Oh, yeah. What a player. Yeah. And again, he wasn't the biggest bloke, was he? Five foot, whatever. Sorry, he could get down that wing and he could put those balls into the box, you know? Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, that was the West Ham way, wouldn't it? Go down the wing, balls in the box, near post, someone get onto it and put it in the back of the net. Yeah. Today's foot, we don't see many wingers, no, do you? No, you don't we at all. A player like him today at West Ham, over, over there, that would get the crowd going. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You know, it's all right, all these little fancy touches. You want to see someone have a go, don't you? you That's why I think Bowen, uh, Bowen, I can see being, although he cuts inside, he's got natural, a bit like Antonio, you know. Antonio's like really, really quick. And Bowen's got, but he's got a touch to him as well. And I think he's that old school winger, but obviously he'll, he'll cut inside. And you're right. I mean, in the modern game, we put the left wingers on the right, the right wingers on the left. So they cut inside and score goals with their, their favoured foot. But actually, there's something so simple about football. You know, in my era, obviously, you had people. I mean, I was a little bit after Mark Ward. I had, you know, the Stuart Slaters and um, Matty Effingtons and Stan Azaridis and people like that. And all they, Matty Rush, and all they would do is literally, you're right, knock the ball, pass the defender, hit the byline, cross it in. It's such a simple yeah. game it can be. Yeah. But, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like it's a different culture now, how it all works. Um, let's start you, go. Let's go to your centre midfield. Who are we going to have in your centre midfield? Let's have both of them, and then we'll go to John. Uh, first one is was my hero as a lad growing up, um, Trevor Bruggin. Yeah. Oh, you know, Trevor Bruggin, mate. Uh, same again. When, when, you, when you was a kid at school, um, and England played in the, the, the whatever they was playing in, and uh, West Ham were represented by Trevor Brooking. And uh, he just had this, he was so silky on the pitch, wasn't he? He could put balls through at Kevin Keegan. It let them, him and Keegan actually had quite a good partnership because mm. uh, I think between them, they used to like, have a few assists between them and goals between them. Um, and I think Keegan used to room with uh, Trevor, um, if memory serves me right. But Trevor Brooking, for me, was just such a, a skillful player. Um, mm. I think in his early days, he he wasn't a centre midfielder. I think he might have been like a right winger or something and it didn't work out for him. Um, and he got moved into centre midfield by, uh, would have been Ron Greenwood, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then that's when he started to take off, you know, his, his, uh, his passing ability, um, putting balls in corners and things like that. Mm. For me, he was just a fantastic player. Um, yeah. Imagine having someone like him at West Ham now. Exactly. You've got to think, think, think about, you know, the, the sort of the boggy pitches that, we were around in the 70s, rather than these sort of bowling green, pit, you know, it would have been amazing. I mean, when you, think, when you think about it, what would he have been worth today? Yes, some, exactly. Some like Trevor, some, same as Dev. Dev was five grand, you know, five grand from Soddy Old. You know, it's like, what would he be worth in today's money? It's amazing. Yeah, Absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's, my, he's my attacking centre midfielder. Nice. And who's, and who's going to partner? Trev in that midfield then well pick, pick, some of the youngsters will be saying all these players because I'm picking quite a few players from my era but yeah, um, you know this one this this player he gives 100% for West Ham um, 
I don't think you'll ever see another player at West Ham to give the service that this player's given. You know I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, he's the nicest. Well. <laughs> he's, he's the nicest bloke as well. He's yeah, done, he yeah. done a lot for John Joe as well. Yeah. Um, Mark Noble. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic bloke. And uh, he, he literally would die for West Ham. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's what I like about that. Don't yeah. matter if you, you, you don't matter, how, you know, technical ability. Mark's, Mark's okay. He's a good tackler. He's a good passer. Right? He's not going to set the Premier League on, on fire, but he just does that thing for me where he shows 100% for West Ham. Oh, yeah. I don't you really know, know, I sometimes get annoyed when I'm over at West Ham. And people go, oh, Mark. No, Mark's a West Ham through and through. He's supposed mm. to be a bigger supporter than any of us. Yeah. And, he's got, and he's got the privilege of wearing a shirt. So no one's going to give more than him. Yeah. Um, so he still playing today, and I hope he plays for a couple more years and gives it he gives it all again because for me, Mark Noble, um, fantastic effort and, yeah. uh, for me. Another West Ham through and through. Yeah, no, exactly, and and you're you're right. I mean, you know, uh, if anything, I think you know, I remember you know probably maybe in the Slav era, beginning of the Slav era, um, everyone thought he was gone. His legs were gone, weren't he? He was like sixty minute sixty minute mark basically. He was always off after sixty minutes. So that's when Slav would do his substitutions. And then the emergence of Declan Rice has seen this resurgence of Mark Noble as a player because, you know, Dex doing all the donkey work, so to speak. Mark can have a little bit more time on the ball. And I, I mean, when he's not in the team sheet, I'm always a bit worried. Yeah. Just I am. Just because I don't think there's that leadership. And it's not just the West Hamers, it's the leadership. It's a quality which I think is being drummed, not drummed out, but isn't around very often now amongst teams. You know, you'll see, you know, there was that big issue, you know, in Arsenal, I mean, that's still crap, but, you know, after sort of Vieira and Petit and people left, they were sort of leaders, you know, and then they had, they were soulless, really. Um, and I think, you know, there's not that type of, that type of captain uh, that type of leader around it much, you know, the John, I think John Terry's and even Kevin Nolan and, you know, Scott Parker, they had that sort of real sort of would assumption that they would die for the club. You know, Mark would just cause it's Mark. And I think Mark's one of those people who, when he hangs up his boots, he'll be a coach. He'll be, you know, direct, you know, he'll be staying at the club because he will be a one man club. Like, you know, he's our, in my era, he's, he's my Billy Bonds, really, because Billy Bonds was Billy Bonds. He was Mr. West Ham. You know, I had Steve Potts, but Mark Noble is, is the one who epitomises West Ham for me, that's for sure. Um, and if, and to, you know, to be partnered in that team with, obviously, with Trev and Dev and Wardy, it's, it's an accolade of how much influence he's had on the West Ham um, West Ham fan base and she said he, he would die for the club and yeah, and as you said you know he does does loads, loads of stuff for you guys as well so and he does and he's just a lovely bloke and he's basically to be honest if you had to think of a captain he's got nice hair um, you know he's he, he, he turns it nicely turned out he just looks like a West Ham boy doesn't he like going out on a Saturday night he just looks really cool he never have a hair out of place but like Steve Potts never a hair out of place um, right okay let's go for John Joe's centre midfield who's your first centre midfield then John Joe okay so the first one's uh, probably one of the brightest young talents in English football it's got to be Declan Rice yeah uh, arguably one of the top holding midfielders in the league if not the country um He'll only get better with age as well. I think that we we really do need to fight to keep him as well because it, I, I believe that I think in, uh, it, it can only be a matter of time where he's going to start wanting to win win things, win yeah. trophies, or possibly play with Mason Mount, like he says. Um, 
it's, it's only a matter of time until he has to consider that and possibly move on. So we we should really try and fight. The Would Mason Mount get West Ham sing though? If Mason Mount comes to West Ham, then he can play with Declan Carley. That's what I mean. I mean, that's what I mean. Just we just buy Mason Mount. Simple, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if I would be able to get the transfer funds for that. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, the, the way I see it, you know, you, we've had, you know, in that sort of period, we had sort of Scott Parker. Scott Parker then was, then Mark Noble was the understudy to Scott Parker. And now, now Mark Noble and then Declan Rice is the understudy to, to, to Mark Noble. So, you know, it's, there's been a nice sort of progression of that sort of position. And yeah, if we, if Dex stays, he'll be West Ham captain. He will be, because he's like, you know, and as you said, he's like a shining light. Um, and, yeah, it may mean, you know, eventually, fuck it, let's go and buy Mason Mount. You know, yeah, we'll have a word, we'll have a whip round um, and we'll be back together. You know, 60,000 of us, you know, chipping each would be all right. Um, <laughs> but no, he's a great player, isn't he? And yeah. I just hope he, he stays for a long time. And, and I don't know whether he'll end up staying in defensive midfield or whether he will move back into the centre-back position. Um who knows? You know, who knows? But at, at the at present, he's he's the best defensive midfield player I think in the league. That's for sure. Um, and to get recognised for England, you know, again, yeah. you haven't had many England regulars who play for West Ham at the same time. You know, I'm mm. thinking like Trevor Sinclair, Rob Rob Green for a bit, Ashton before he did his leg in. You know, we haven't had that, and so it's quite nice to have an England regular in in the squad. Um, who's going to partner? Um, deck in your team then, John, Jane Midfield? I mean, for me, it's kind of a no-brainer. It has to be Mark. Uh, yeah. He's, he knows uh, what it means to play for West Ham, fights for the badge, uh, one-club man. I mean, these days, you don't really see a one-club man anymore. Um, yeah, no no doubt about it. It has to be him in partnership with him. I couldn't think of any other midfielders to partner up with Deck at the moment anyway. No, exactly. You're totally right. You're totally right. And yeah, and they, they complement each other quite well as a pairing, I think. You know, as a deck does all the donkey work, Mark can do a little bit more of the quarterback type role, you know, you know, sort of dictating the, the pace a little bit. And um, uh, I think, uh, yeah. Well, well, we'll get another couple of seasons out of Mark, that's for sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, right. Okay. Let's go strikers. Let's go for your strikers first, John. Then we'll go for Gary's strikers to finish off. What's that? My name and both, yeah? Yeah, go on. Why not? Okay, so my first one's a bit of an odd shout as well, but um, it's actually Diaf Sacco. Yeah. Bit of an odd one, but uh, same same really with consistency. I mean, every time he got the ball, he scored. Yeah. I mean, we had that famous charm with him, and every time he sung it, he scored. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was brilliant. Same again, I mean, his, his uh, personality, he had a bit of a problem with that. But, but yeah, he, he was brilliant. I mean, when he was with Enna Valencia as well, I mean, they had a mad partnership to go up. Yeah. Mean, so well off, off each other and uh, sadly they've both moved on now exactly um, yeah. and was other, uh, has to be uh, you know Mark Arnautovic yeah you've got to be mine he's I could easily picture in my mind what it'd be like to have Sacco and Arnautovic together as a front two uh, Sacco running off Marco or vice versa they're both quick and powerful players um, yeah. with Marco he, every time he kicked the ball he scored as well he had a bit of a blip before, I mean, with, with Dillich and then Moyes came in, uh, provided excellent man management, turned into the player that he was. Yeah. But same again with Attitude, he thought he was kind of bigger than the club and decided to leave. So, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and as you said, the whole thing when, you know, when, obviously when he signed, everyone thought, well, he's, he, we've got a good player here. And then 
he was stuck out on the wing, really, on the right, really, wasn't he? Where Moyes sort of pushed him up front, really. And again, you know, it's very similar. It might, you know, parallels. I mean, Gary would attribute this. That when, we had, when we got Tevez, we got Tevez and he was like, not useless, but he didn't do anything for the first few few months. And and then he went into a position like where he wasn't having to run about everywhere and he stayed up front. And for that six months, he kept us up, basically. He was mesmeric. And and, and, and that's a similar similar to Nasovic. It's just he's buying players and putting them in the right position. It's quite a simple again, it's just saying to get Gary, you know, it's quite a simple game, football. You buy players and put them in the right position rather than trying to be clever and put people on the wrong wings or you put strikers in, in sort of just off the strikers. You know, people have a position they're best played at. Put them in that position and the team will play better because they're the, the players are happy. And as you said, with Marco, he had a bit of a, you know, strange leaving to us, similar to Payet. But again, similar players, you know, mesmerically brilliant on their day, but they could throw their prams out the, you know, their, their toys and they weren't happy. And uh, that's what he got. Uh, you know, again, that's, that's sort of, unfortunately, what comes with these types of players. Right, Gary, let's go for your strikers. Who are we having up front for you? First one um, is uh, Frank McAvenny. Yeah. Um, he just scored goals, didn't he? Yeah. He scored goals. Um, in his first spell, West Ham, more so than the second spell, even though he did score Apshik on his last ever game. But in his first spell, West Ham, in that boys of 86, him and uh, Tony Cotty up front. I mean, them two have banged in so many goals. Yeah. Um, you know, we almost won a title that year. Um, you know, a couple of more wins, we'd have had that. But, um, yeah, Frank McIverney just had this thing about him. You put the ball through one-on-one, you, you just knew he was going to score. Yeah, just, it's true. And uh, then he went up to Celtic and banged loads of goals in for them. And then when he had the chance to come back down to London between us and Arsenal, Arsenal, the big boys, you know, and he said, no, I'm going to West Ham. He, just, he still wanted to come back to West Ham. Tells you something, he had West Ham in his blood and he still yeah. has to play. Yeah, it does. And that's why I've, I've picked him. I, I want these players in my team. If someone's going to, if I'm going to be a manager of the team, pick 11 players, I want them to give all 100%. Yeah. And he's another one. He give all for West Ham. So he's, right. he's my first centre forward. Yeah, you're totally right. And I think, it, and and speaking the other day, um, they were talking about the, the boys of 86 and, and Tony Cotty made a point that there's something like 17 records they still hold, like club records, like most away wins, most home wins, most goals scored by a duo. You know, it's incredible how, how, how top that, se- that season was. You know, we talk about the boys of 86, but how, you know, it's still like, one of the most, well, it is the most successful season we've had at West Ham. Um, some twenty or thirty years on, you know, so uh, it made such an impact on 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 sort of the history books for West Ham. But uh, who's going to partner McAvenny up front then, Gary? Well, we, we've been talking the boys of '86, and it's, it would have been far too obvious for me to pick Tony Cotty, even though the pair of them were brilliant together, you know. And, and sorry, that's Tony for not picking him, but I've got to go with Paolo. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, what what a, what a fantastic player he was on his day. You know, he just got you going, didn't he? When he got yeah. the ball, uh, he was just doing special things, wasn't he? Um, you know, what, what I can't have a Paolo today, eh? Good yeah. idea. He was an entertainer, wasn't he? He was an entertainer. You know, he was really what football was about. Yeah, football is a sport. But we go, we know we're not going to win the leagues. We go to be entertained, don't we? That's what we want to do. And as you said, as long as someone's putting in, well, okay, maybe not for Paolo, but you know, for the majority, if they're putting in like you know, running after lost balls, putting crunching tackles in, die, you know, seeing that dying for their shirt, 
that's that's enough for most West Ham fans. Uh, Paolo was just box office. You know, you'd buy a season ticket just to watch him. You know, he was. You know that that sort of. I was talking to someone the other day, and they asked me about Paolo Di Canio, and I, I found him a link to the Bradford City game, and I was like, it was extended highlights. I said, just watch it because that that is Paolo. He would you know, want to be substituted because he was being kicked. Um, he'd sit on the ball, he'd strop, he'd then go and score a goal, he'd then fight with uh, Frank Lampard for the penalty, and that, that was Paolo. That was Paolo. And the man loved the club, and he still loves the club today. And as you said, but he had that, he had, he had that skill, you know, that, you know, that, that, you know, some some sort of other midfielders and forwards who, who played for us didn't have but he had that passion and, and that's what West Ham wants, passion, don't we? We wouldn't, we wouldn't do well with like, you know, 11 players who were sort of six out of 10 every game. That's not the West Ham way. The West Ham way is to have someone like Paolo who's eight, nine out of 10 for three games running. And then he's like two out of 10 because we're playing away to Watford or something like that. And he don't fancy it that day. Yeah. But that was Paolo, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, he, was, he was absolutely brilliant. And as you said, he's, he's a lovely guy. And what he did for you at the Swindon stuff was, was absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Well, that, I, that, that day when we was down at Swindon, um, we went up to his office afterwards. And the first thing he'd done when we got in the office, he actually went down on his knees and started bowing to John Joe. I'm thinking, hang on a minute. No, we bow to you, do you know what yeah. I mean? But because of what he'd seen John do, of course. Um, he did the bowing. And we actually got a picture of Paolo bowing to John Joe in his uh, manager's office, you know. So cool. Um, he was, and, he's, and away from everybody in that closed room, he was the most sincere gentleman. Yeah. He, he wouldn't... Some of the things you saw on TV with Paolo, the games and everything, and we was in there with him, and he was such a sincere gentleman, do you know what I mean? He made yeah, sure that the heat was on, are you warm enough, um, do you want some wine? And uh, he got all his pictures out. He had, a, he had a drawer at his table, manager of Swindon, and he sat there and he got the wine and we sat there and he said, yeah, hey, look at this, look at this. And he pulled a drawer open and he pulled out all these photos and spread them across his desk. And every one was a West Ham photo. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the chairman come in at the time, the chairman of Swindon, he came in, and I said to him, how did you get him to come to Swindon? You know, he said, I'm a West Ham fan. <laughs> the chairman at the time was a West Ham fan. He got Paolo down to Swindon. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Canio, um, another one. Most of my players I've picked are West Ham through and through. Yeah. He's another one. who He's got the tattoo. He loves West Ham. He, yeah. I mean, he was on Sky Taylor. He's got the West Ham tie on when he's commentating. When he plays football, he's got the claret and blue on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Paolo Di Canio, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was talking when I was talking to uh, Nicky Hawkins from West Ham Fan TV, doing one of these, and he did it because they they do you know, the events, don't they? they? Interview people, and it was I'm pretty sure it was Nicky. And he interviewed Paolo for one of these pre-match eventy things, and he came up, and Paolo was like in this immaculate. He was immaculate. I mean, he always turned out well, didn't he? But he had an immaculate suit on, like tie. He had obviously he was bronzed as he is with his beautiful glasses and he goes and like Nicky was like in the shirt and he's like oh Paolo yeah what a lovely suit he goes I always dress up for my family and that just said it that was just said it that was a Paolo that was Paolo and he just thinks it was family it's beautiful look it's been great chatting to you two we've got two very different teams and I love it you know if FIFA could recreate this it would be quite fun to see what happens but yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
been brilliant, guys. Thank you so so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And obviously, thank you to everyone else for for watching. You know, like, share, subscribe, watch them all. And until next time, guys. Mm -hmm. For me, Gary and John Joe, take care, stay safe. See ya. Bye bye. Yes. Sports Social Podcast Network.